The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fill her up! You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Conceive, believe, achieve. Shut the f*** up. <laughs> You're listening to Believe You Me with Michael the Count Bisbing. You know my name yet? And Anthony Lionheart-Smith. Well, you assumed wrongly, Mr. Brian McKay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the award-winning, we've never won a single award, <laughs> the very informative, people bitch about it, the one, the only Believe You Me podcast with the great Lionheart, Anthony Smith. Anthony, I know you're a tired man today. Yeah, yeah, the, the East Coast shows are tough on us, man. We get done with the post show at 2.45, and then you go back, you pack, You my car pickup was at 4.30, for a 6.30 flight, right into wrestling and basketball tournaments. So I was on no Father sleep of the year. You know, people people think, you know, look at these guys on TV. They've, they've got it easy. They have no idea. You don't just get yourself to the airport. You've got to wake <laughs> up. Then you've got to have someone take your bags and put it in the car for you. Right. And when you sit in the back of the car, you've got to sometimes close your own door. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Right. And sometimes you have to bring your own beverages in the car. Wow. Now yeah. tell me this. This is this is gonna blow my mind. Did you have to bring your own suit? I had to bring my own suit. Wow. I did. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing. Turmoil. But this is gonna make you a better fighter in the long run. This kind <laughs> of adversity. <laughs> oh dear. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh UFC 297, great night of fights at the weekend. Of course, it was all about that main event. Um, before we get into that, how was the crowd? The crowd was incredible. They were really, really good. They were there early. They were loud. They hate Justin Trudeau. Uh, they they were <laughs> chanting "fuck Trudeau" the whole time. Um, yeah, and they I don't you know the Canadian fighters kind of had a tough night. They went two two and seven. All the Canadian males lost. Um, so like that happens a lot of times in these countries, and then the crowd's dead the whole time after a couple of their hometown guys lose. But they would get right back up for the next one, and then sad again, and right back up happy. It was fun. Well, you've got to because when all your countrymen are losing, you know what I mean. Then then there's more pressure on the next one, so you get up for it. But you know what? And I am not in any way talking any crap about John Anik because John Anik's the man as a human being, as a professional, as a commentator, he's brilliant. He's the best. Uh, but Rebecca actually said a comment because John Anik pointed out, he said, so all the Canadian women have won tonight, but all the men have lost so far. <laughs> and Rebecca goes, I bet he wouldn't say that if it was the other way around. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I just thought that was funny. Of course, there, he, there was nothing in that at all, but shout out John Anik, the absolute goat. Uh, where should we start? Should we, we'll just start with that main event. We've got to. We've got to. Yeah. Jukic uh, Duplessis, Sean Strickland went at it over five rounds. Of course, if you follow up, if you follow them on Instagram, the war is not over. They're still going on, but we're going to get into that in a bit. We'll talk about the fight, of course. Jukic, the new champion of the world. Before we break it down, what did you think, Anthony? When it went to the scorecards, I didn't know. 
I'll be honest. I w- it was one of those. I had Sean winning the first. I thought he looked brilliant. Drake is in the second. It, w- it was really close. He had some takedowns, but didn't do much with it. But he was pressuring third all day, four all day for Drake. Five, I thought Strickland maybe could have got that one. It was a really close fight. I'll break it down. Why? I th- I don't have a problem with Drake. But first of all, give me your take. Yeah, so... I'm kind of catching a lot of shit for this, but I really thought Sean won four rounds. I really did. I, oh, wow. I didn't. And it, and I, that's not saying that it wasn't a close fight. I thought they were very, very close rounds. Um, but at the end, I thought it was four to one, Sean. Um, I'm not mad that the Duplessis won. I'm not, I don't think it's a robbery. I don't, you know, I don't think any of that, but I did think that Sean Strickland uh, remained the champion. I just, I didn't give a lot of like weight. I didn't put a lot of weight into the takedowns because he didn't do anything with them. He, he didn't control them for any amount of time. Um, there was no damage. There was no submission attempts. The I, don't, I, I just didn't see a lot with that. And especially with the new rules, excuse me, uh, re, you know, takedowns being position changes. Um, yeah. I thought that maybe I think Strickland was so dominant in the first. I think sometimes you look at the next couple rounds, specifically the second, I see a lot of people gave Duplessis the second, but I I thought that he just looked a lot better in the second. So sometimes I think that can skew your view and say, wow, he did a lot better that round. I think he won that round. Like maybe he just did better, you know, and it's just closer. But uh, I don't have any problem with Duplessis getting the getting the win. I I, when you keep fights that close, they kind of can go either way. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm glad because we've kind of got a difference of opinion. So it's good. It makes for interesting conversation. Um, Again, very close. I honestly didn't know who was going to get it. And I don't have a problem. I don't have an issue with the scoring at all. And congrats to uh, both of them, actually, on a, yeah. on, on a great hard-fought fought fight. Um, but I, I definitely, I, I do think Strickland lost two, sorry, three and four. Might have lost yeah. two, maybe. And I think the thing was, you know, the three Ds is how they score the fight. You know this. Dominance, damage, and duration. And mm-hmm. then after that, they start taking in lesser uh, qualities, you know, like octagon control, aggression, and things like that. And Sean always fights behind that jab, and it's a beautiful jab, and it's laser accurate, it's powerful, it busts up the face of Drickus Duplessis, of course. Um, but when it starts, but but, but Drickus was throwing bigger, heavier shots. I mean, those head kicks in the second round that he was getting through with, the body kicks, Sean did a great job of checking a lot of the leg kicks. But I think when it is close and one guy is going forward, backing the other man up, swinging, big shots, you know, overhand rights, they didn't all connect. A few did, though. Certainly the head kicks connected on a couple of occasions. Sean took them well. I think that visual, and certainly he's pushing the pace, he's being the aggressor, he's controlling the octagon. Uh, Yeah, he got a couple of takedowns, I agree. He didn't do shit with them. So there's no really, they're not worth much if anything, to be mm-hmm. honest. But when you put it all together and, and you're conflicted as to who won the round, those minor, uh, smaller, minor little things kind of come into play. So um, I'll be honest, though, as I say, when they were calling it out, I had no idea who they were going to say. You know, I, I think and I'm on the opposite side of those those smaller details. Like I seen and I was watching. And again, I'm watching like really, really, really closely, almost to where I'm sometimes maybe I don't pay attention to the the entire round as a whole. I'm looking at the individual little uh, 
you know, like the transitions and, and the little tiny exchanges. So sometimes maybe I do lose track of how, 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 you know, how many times that happened over a round or so maybe my view is absolutely, there's a chance that it is skewed, but I looked at Duplessis throwing really, really big and Strickland always sliding in these little, uh, these little shovel uppercuts or these little jabs or these, you know, these little tight hooks and like taking glancing shots off the arm and rolling away from it. And to me, I thought he was winning those exchanges, but again, like we're talking razor close differences here. Like mm. you look at those exchanges and maybe he takes the big glancing blow, it, but it moves his body a little bit and, and he, his body reacts to it differently. And I'm seeing Strickland kind of just in death by a, thousand little cuts with all those jabs and it, it just looked like he was landing more efficiently the bigger shots definitely belong to to Duplessis but I just thought there were so many more of uh, especially in the first round uh, I thought Strickland looked looked magical in there he looked really really composed and I think a lot of questions where was he going to be too emotional I thought he answered that right away in the first round uh, three and four were kind of the four for sure Duplessis won three I thought was really close um I thought one and five were clearly Strickland and I thought he won two and three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is as well, you know, for Strickland, I mean, the jab was great, but what I would suggest and far be it from me, but you know, in a fight like that, he does fight behind his jab and he's kind of conservative with all his other weapons, you know, Strick, uh, sorry, Drickus was throwing, you know, a variety of shots, you know, and Drickus has his own weird kind of unique style and rhythm, you know, because it's, you could say it's sloppy. Ian Gary did. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and Sean is that, that, that jab is beautiful, but he doesn't follow up with it too much. Yeah. Of course he throws that right hand on occasion, but I think when you start getting into a really close fight like that, you can't allow yourself to back up as much. And I think he's got to add to the skill set or the toolbox that he's using. Of course, he's got the skills. He knows how to throw combinations. He knows how to throw head kicks. And I'm sure when he's on the tie pads, he looks magical. You know what I mean? But the jab is the primary weapon. On the numbers, I was just looking for him then, but I couldn't find it. I think on a few of the rounds, Sean's ever so slightly ahead. Round one, he was leaps and bounds ahead. But mm -hmm. some of the other ones, he's just a little bit ahead. But how do you... Uh, equate the damage. You know, right. Dominic Cruz Saturday was saying, well, look at uh, the face of Drickus, you know. But the thing is as well, it's not always damage that you can see. You know, mm -hmm. like a jab to the face, granted, we saw the damage on Drickus's face. Sean didn't have too much. All right, granted, as the fight wore on, he had a cut. But in round two, up until, up until that cut happened, they didn't have a mark on him. But some of those head kicks landed pretty flush, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's damage there. Just because it's not visible, Right? right, just because it's not visible doesn't mean the opponent doesn't feel it. Doesn't mean your bell just hasn't been rung. Doesn't mean you haven't got ringing in your ears and you're like, "Holy shit, I don't want to take another one of them." Do you know what I mean? So it's not yeah. when you talk damage, and and this is, it's not just visible damage. It, it's damage that you, and I guess if you've got a rock solid chin, and no problem to me. Well, it still scores. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no. Listen, it, it was a close fight. It was a close what, fight. Let's throw it to you... the panel. Go go ahead. Uh, Dean Thomas asked me a, a really interesting question Saturday night. and Or maybe it was Brett. Brett Okamoto, I think, asked me the question. Not on air, even, really. Um, and I wanted to ask you, and then I'd give my answer. What would you change about Sean Strickland's game? Because he does find himself in these really, really close fights like this. Yeah. Because he maybe doesn't have that next level, that next thing. Not that there's not a next yep. level. 
That you are precisely correct, and it's a good question by ESPN's Brett Akamoto. Shout out, Brett. Um, because I was talking about this in one of my videos recently. That's what he needs because he he, he kind of has one game plan. He doesn't go for takedowns, right? He's not the most wildly aggressive on the feet. Of course, you know, he's had some great moments when he stopped Abus Magomedov. Beautiful stoppage against Israel Adesanya. Dropped him in the first uh, and walked him down. But a lot of the time in these close fights, like Jared Cannonier, like that one against Drickers, and that's kind of what I was alluding to a second ago, you have your plan A. And if that's working, if you're teeing off and you can't miss with that jab and you're getting through with the right here and there and the front kicks to the stomach and all the rest of it and you're keeping him at bay and you're frustrating him and you're clearly winning the fight, that's great. But when it really starts to get, you know, confusing for the judges, you know, you've got to have a plan B, even a plan C, you know. So I, I just think he needs to go forward more and I think he just needs to use that jab to set up other things. They call the jab the key to the door. That's the entry point to a lot of other combinations. You can jab, you can throw an inside kick, you can jab, you can throw a high kick, a right hand, a left hook, anything you want, you know. But I just think he needs to put more numbers together, to put it simply and basically. And that's that's essentially what I said. And I just, I guess I got more even more specific. If he could... If they could work it, because the way his style is, he's he is very up and like straight up and down. Um, his feet are close together, which makes him it gives him the ability to move quickly and counter and lean back and and it, he gauges his distance. But even something that I've been working lately, or like Mark really kind of started putting into my game a while ago, was really sitting down on my counters. So mm. if he could still have that long jab, still be elusive, but every once in a while, kind of you know ground himself in the middle of these kind of combat because he does counter very well, but there's never, there's not a lot on them because he is, he's always kind of in motion and moving and slipping. And but every once in a while, if he just really grounded himself and sat down on yep. something hard and then got back to what he was doing, what we normally does, I think that would make a world of difference for him. And, and for Drickis as well, it's not like he's uh he, has, he doesn't have nothing that he needs to change. There was a few things that he was, in my humble opinion, as analyst, we're not talking shit about the fight. It was a great no. fight. Well done to both men. These are the same but conversations analyst, we have off air. And these would be conversations if you were in a gym, what your coach might say and things like that. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, before you start in the goddamn comment section, we know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> uh, for Drickus, I mean, if you're fighting somebody like Sean Strickland, that when you watch him, you know he fights behind the jab and it's a beautiful jab. You've got to have a defense for the jab. You've got right. to drill that. The the obvious defensive ones are a block, the parry, head movement, and footwork. Right? We weren't seeing, and, but the feints mainly draw that jab out of Strickland, make right. it look like you're going to go get into the jab, and then when you're bringing the arm back, that's when you go in. And when he was going in, a lot of the time, the first couple of punches that he would throw, whatever they were, an overhand right, a left hook, whatever, whatever, whatever combo it was, Strickland a lot of time would get that jab in, right? Uh, but you've got to go again. He needed to have yeah. the initial attack. And then it's what my old boxing coach used to call phases of attack. You need a second mm-hmm. phase. The initial phase is just kind of your setup to get in, to get that initial jab from Strickland and then go again, back him up against the fence and then let rip with the hands. Uh, so Drickus, I mean, listen, it was a great fight. And I am yeah, not, they were, I, they, I'm not insulting or huh. critiquing. I am critiquing. Yeah. Constructive we're, I mean, criticism. We're, yeah. We're just talking about what we've seen in, in, yeah our our views from it from our experience level it, the only thing i would add with duplessis honestly it, it's it was my only critique i had of him even on the all the pre-shows he's only he's he's either defending or he's striking he doesn't counter a lot like it's yeah. he's defending 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 and then when he's done and or whoever is throwing strikes at him is done then he goes and but if you start to go in the middle of that he'll stop and defend 
which is not bad. I mean, it's, but the next level of evolution in your striking to continue to grow to a high level is to be able to do both things at the same time, which is like, uh, I don't know, Volkanovsky does it better than anybody. It just being able to strike, defend in those transitions and counter before they're done. And, but it's harder for big guys to do because some of those inside situations are very dangerous. So you look at the significant strike, you know, uh, records, like none of those are held by people above 185 pounds. It's just, it's hard to do because it, you punch someone that many times at the size of us, it you're going to kill people. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you what, though, the, the wrestling of Drickus really, really impressed me. Sean's not an easy man to take down like that. No. For the most part, when he was fresh, he got Sean down almost every time. I think it was six out of 98 down attempts. Equally, Sean was so good at just banging up to his feet, just mm-hmm. immediately getting back to his feet. Very, very impressive. Uh, the takedowns didn't something do something Robert Whitaker couldn't do. Or, or take Drickus down? Well, no, like to, to get up like that. Oh, yeah. The first yeah, takedown, right. he held in for 19 seconds. Robert Whitaker couldn't get up in 19 seconds. So I, I I know that sometimes we look at this, you hear you hear people, I see what people say online when we're doing our research. Sean Strickland was kind of just a fly-by-night champion, and, and he's not really that good. He did something that Robert Whitaker couldn't do. And we all know how we hold where we hold Robert Whitaker in, in terms of his yeah. his abilities and skills at, at the middleweight division. You know, when I used to spar Strickland, he is tough to hit. He's very, very tough to hit. And he, he has a weird, it's, it's kind of awkward when you're in there. You know what I mean? And it's when you watch, you might not think it doesn't look all that. But I'm telling you, when you're in there, he's very, it, it's a weird rhythm. It's offbeat time. And he does a very good job of blocking with his forearms, stays out of range. Yeah, yeah, listen, listen, he'll be back. And he might be back against Strickland Duplessis because if you haven't seen it, the war of words is continuing we have a delivery for one Anthony Smith. We do. Amazon. Here we coffee. go. Coffee. Yeah, I could do with coffee as well. I could do with people shutting up out there. Don't know what's going on. So if you look here, this is what Sean posted. And he said, uh, Sean actually said for those audio listeners, I didn't take the coward's way out and tell the doctor I couldn't see and got a no contest. I, I didn't tell the doctor I couldn't see and get a no contest. The only reason why you took a round from me is because I couldn't see. I won that fight. The world knows I won that fight. The belt they gave you will never make you a champion. Enjoy. They had to stitch through muscle to get it closed. Thank you to everyone for your support. Uh, anyway, and then Drick is coming back and he says, well, why don't you cry about it again? Right. And I got to say, that's a bloody good response from Drickus. Yeah. Call it what you will. I know there's a lot of Sean Strickland fanboys watching this and you're like, you're a prick, Bisbin. They're talking shit. He's trying to undermine his, his victory. But first of all, give me your thoughts on the cut and, and what Sean is saying. I, I, uh, I can't argue with him. It was very clear during the fight that the, the blood was bothering him. Like the, the cut was affecting him. As soon as the cut happened, he wasn't... And Drickus was smart. He started... He, he attacked more from that side when Sean started kept wiping the blood out of his eye. Like, you try really, really hard as a fighter to not wipe the blood away because you don't want to draw attention to it from either the referee, the doctor on the outside, the commission. But you definitely don't want your opponent knowing that, you're, that it's bothering you. A guy that's as tough and as smart and as crafty as Strickland to know the same thing that I just said to continue to keep having to wipe it over and over and over. It, it seemed to me like it was bothering him. 
Yeah, and I don't disagree with what you're but, saying. But, but at, these at things all. happen. They happen. Well, well, and that's my point. I'm not ripping on Sean, but like you go out there, it's a contact sport. There's wrestling and stuff involved. Shit like that happens. Didn't say anything on the night. And then on Monday morning, he's probably a bit annoyed by it. He probably sees that video and that kind of, you know, ignites a bit of passion inside him and he's pissed off. And I understand that. But, you know, these it happens a lot. It ha- mm-hmm. like, like when I fought Rockhold the first time, he headbutted me. Boom. And I've only got one eye. I got one yeah. eye, not even two eyes, you know, and you just got to, it's, it's a shitty situation. You yeah. know what I mean? But then the cut, the cut that I got in my last fight was started with a headbutt. It got opened up with punches as we went on. But like, I don't even know that I've even said that until like right now. Yeah. But it started with a headbutt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That That's the point what I'm saying. Listen, yeah. you go in there, you throw in everything, but the kitchen sink, sometimes mm-hmm. heads clash. And I, I thought it was a right hand from Drickis, one of his best shots that opened that. That does look like it was that. But on the night, I remember uh, thinking it was a, an overhand right. Uh, but uh, let's have another look. Let's have a closer look here. Yeah. The right hand right there. Yeah. That's what I thought. Uh, anyway, whatever, Brian. It's all good, mate. It's all good. Uh, look, listen, at the end of the day, well done. Listen, Sean, I, I thought when he walked out there, I thought he looked really, really nervous, right? Because the difference yeah. is, you know, Sean always in the past, you know, he's kind of always been very honest with his feelings and feels like he doesn't even belong in this situation. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that. Uh, but when you become the champion, like going down there to Australia and fighting Sean, uh, Israel Adesanya, there's no pressure on you. It's just another payday. You're going down there, you get a chance to show the world, you get paid a shit ton of money for doing it, and you never know. You might come out the other side, the champion of the goddamn world. It's a great situation. But the, it's, the, the situation completely changes. When you're going somewhere to another country and you're on the plane and then Drickus Duplessis is there and he's t- beating 20 people, 19 stoppages, and you're like, shit, this guy can take it all away. The pressure is unbelievable. Like when I fought Rockhold, I didn't give a fuck. I was like, let's go out there and swing, baby. Let's see what happens. But then, it, as I say, it changes. All of a sudden, you got fame, you got fortune, you become champion of the world, and you want to hang on to that. Uh, but it certainly looks like it wasn't nerves. He was just super, super, super dialed in. And he should be proud of himself, right? Everyone else in the UFC got smoked by the guy, got finished. Sean made it a very, very competitive fight. What do you think's next? Man, I don't know. I, I probably the Izzy fight. I would imagine Izzy versus Duplessis. What's next for Strickland? I don't know. I think a Hamza Chimaya fight would be pretty cool. Why would you do that? Why? Why would you say right? We're going to throw you in against Drickers. We're going to take your title off you. It's going to be a razor close fight. You're going to get headbutted. You're going to get on the wrong end of a decision, according to Anthony Smith and other people online. And then, and then we're going to throw you in against Hamza Chimaev. Just a I'm not saying he can't beat him, by the way, but, you know, just to give you another really tough matchup. Because Dana already said that the rematch is probably not likely going to happen, right? I don't think it, 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 it's controversial. There's people on both sides of it, but no one's screaming for it, apparently. So if you want to control your own destiny, if you're Sean Strickland, okay, I'll give me the boogeyman, and then you don't have a choice. Like, you go out there and you beat Hamza Chimaev. You're going to fight for the title next. It doesn't matter who you are. You get a debuter in the UFC right now. Debut guy takes a random fight. For some reason, they just want to give him Hamza Chimaev. He wins that fight. He fights for the title. Like, it doesn't, like, you control your own destiny. I got a devil's avocado for you, babe. Can you just turn that light oh, to me? Just turn it up. I'm saying the opposite. So slightly. I'm saying the opposite of what I would tell red. lots of people. Are you red? 
You have. There we go. I've got a little bit more light on me. No, that's that, that, that's better, babe. That's better. Thank you very much. What do you mean you're saying the opposite? Because typically, I'll, remember I talk about the home run mentality. You got to get back. You got to take your time. You got to rebuild. You got to work your way back up. Yeah. But man, I just feel like for a guy like Sean Strickland, that maybe sometimes that rule doesn't apply. Allow me to present to you on a silver platter, a okay. devil's avocado. You just called room service. You went down. I said, yeah, don't worry, buddy. We're sending it up direct prompt. Boom. Ding dong. That's the door. Guy walks in, gets awkward in the room, gets super fucking awkward, doesn't it? When the room service guy, all woman comes in and you've just got out of the shower and you're like, oh, right. uh, 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 uh." Just fucking leave it and get out and just bill me. Um, Tip, no tip. Have you put the tip on? Because these bastard hotels, they'll get you with the tip. They will. I know. The tip's already on. But then right. I end up tipping again because I don't read just, it. They just stand there. They're like, mm, yeah. God damn it. Here's the devil's avocado that you just Ooh, ordered. Okay. Sean Strickland. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no, no. First of all, Drickis goes and fights Izzy. Mm-hmm. It'd be gangster if that happens at UFC 300. That would be. Or International Fight Week because mm-hmm. apparently Conlon is not fighting on either of those. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, did you see what Dana said about that? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, so we'll it was, not, a, it was not exciting. <laughs> so we'll do Drickus, Israel okay. Adesanya, and one of those events. Okay. In the meantime, Sean Strickland rematches Jared Cannonier because Jared Cannonier is the only one realistically right now with another claim at the belt. So you right. have Sean allow him to get a chance to right the wrongs Right? I know you thought that Strickland won that. It was a really close fight. It mm-hmm. was just like the Drickers fight. Super, what? super, super razor close. So it gives him an ability to go out there, ride that wrong, get a win, beat one of the top contenders, eradicate that loss, make some improvements to his style, and then fight again the winner of Drickers or is he whoever that is? Because he's got history with both. I mean, Mick Maynard, watch your back, bro, because I'm coming for your job. But then what? Okay, so so you what if you're Sean Strickland though, and all that happens? You're sending the avocado back. I'm sending it back real quick. Hold on. <laughs> this what avocado ha- shit. What happens if just say that Duplessis be, he, say he loses to Izzy, and Sean is is in this dust up with Cannoneer, and in the meantime, then Hamza comes back and they slide Hamza right in with Izzy. Well, imagine this. You step outside, you cross the street, and you get hit by a fucking car. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Right? You know what I mean? There's a million (laughs) different ways you can slice life. You can say, now, hold on. What about this? No, no, no. And also, another because because Hamza, let's be honest, if you're going to fight Sean versus Hamza, or Drickers is going to fight him, or whatever it is, Hamza's a big draw, man. He does yeah. big numbers. He does, right? People, if you don't you realize... You probably want to be champion you, when you fight him. You want to fight that guy when you're champ because you're going to get <laughs> yeah. big time. Anytime I do a video on Hamza on my YouTube, boom, numbers. Do you know what I mean? People okay. like hearing about boars. Uh, but let's throw it to the panel. Brian, Harrington, welcome to the show. What do you think? Who did you guys have winning Saturday night? I thought they were going to give it to Sean at the end of the fight, to be honest, because it was super close, and, you know, you you got to beat the champ. 
Fair enough. Uh, I had I had rounds two, three, and four uh, for Drekus. Uh, I looked up the I looked at the stats. Round two is the only round where Drekus landed uh, more strikes than Sean Strickland. Three and four were super razor close, but four is the one uh, where that where that damage was caused, where the where the eyes started leaking. So um, yeah, three was a three was an absolute coin flip. But I had it going to Drekus. I think that's the one that that made it a split decision too. Like the the one judge who had it for Strickland gave that third round to him. Um, Can I just address this? And you'll know what I mean by this, Anthony, because, and you're absolutely right in what you said, Brian, this expression, you've got to beat the champ to take the belt from them. It's it, it's a term that gets used a lot and you're absolutely right, right? And it's like, what as fans we want to see, if it's where's the close, the champ should get to keep it. But that's not how it, it's just not, right? The 10 point must system, the scores, the, the, the scoring criteria is still exactly the same. They do not modify it for a title fight. So whilst that is um, an expression that does get used, and I understand the reasoning behind that, when it's all said and done and the way they come to a conclusion, it is not factored in. No. Yeah, I get it. But it feels like it is sometimes. <laughs> well, it's yeah, not. I mean, it shouldn't be. Uh, you know, and Dana even said that in the post-fight press conference. Like he mm. used that exact same term. Like I thought Strickland won, and I and I'm one of these guys who believe that you uh, you got to really take it from the champ. I I don't know that I believe that so much. If I'm being honest, you hear it all the time, and I get what the I get the idea of it. But like, if you're a contender, like fuck that. I just need to be. I don't. If I'm two, if if I'm point. Two seconds ahead of him, that's enough for me to get a win. It's certainly a casual's take. I I understand that. Whoa, for sure. whoa, whoa! You call it Dana White a casual? <laughs> no, not real. No, but he's from boxing. You know what I mean? Like, no, but in, in I mean in boxing, it's. Dana, like, did you even know what MMA is? That's not what I mean. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm joking. Know. <laughs> I do believe though that like sometimes if you get to a round that's just so close that you can't. Really, like, I don't know who won that round. The striking was close. The damage was close. The output is close. There was no takedowns. There was no takedown attempts. You got one guy that's a champion of the world and one guy that's not. Like, I don't really have too much of an issue. would be like, well, it's, so if, it's, if it's coin flip, and give it mm. to the champ. Yeah, no, listen, I have no problem with that. And if that was written down and right. implemented, I wouldn't have an issue. Mm-mm. But you got to go with what is implemented. Right. Harrison, you've been itching to say something, I can tell. No, no, not at all. Nothing. Harrington, I, I got a question. Harrington, I have a question. What's up? It has nothing to do with what we were talking about, though. Is that okay? Good. Good. I like this already. Every show we do, you were in a different room in your house. <laughs> so I, I, I don't understand. Like, sometimes you're, like, in the living room, and you can see Alex walking back and forth randomly. And, like, yeah. sometimes you're, like, in the kitchen. And now it looks it looks to me like you're in the baby's room. But this is not the same place you were in when we first started because before I could see clothes in the closet behind you and now I can't see them. So you've even moved since we've been recording. So yeah, what I mean, is gotta... going on here? Why do we move around so much? <laughs> well, last week he's I very had proud. A... He's very proud because he used to be homeless and now he's has so many rooms. He's like, bro, today we're coming from the laundry. <laughs> dude last episode uh actually people were commenting that alex was feeding the baby too fast so i was like let me just let me remove all those distractions if i'm recording at home let me let me go to a room where i know no one's going to be walking behind me the exterminator's not going to come in halfway through it's yeah so that's the, all uh, right that's the oh, that 
That is the answer to that one. And that is the end of that one. All right, today's episode is brought to you by 8sleep, the high-tech solution to your age-old sleeping issues. 8sleep's pod cover slips right over your mattress, bringing heating and cooling tech that keeps you comfortable and sleeping deeper for a better, more restful night's sleep. Listen, this thing's fantastic. We love this product in our house. You've heard me raving on about it every single time I do this ad read, and you will love it as well. You want to be cool in bed. Well, I do, but technically, scientifically, that's how you get a better night's sleep. But not everybody wants that. Certainly the women... Certainly from my experience, women want it warm, simple as that. Well, now you ever got to have an argument. You're not wrestling over the air conditioning or anything like that because one side of the bed can go as hot as 110 degrees if you're a maniac and the other side of the bed can go as low as 55 degrees, okay? So you'll both be happy and you'll both get the, the night's sleep that you want. Sleep science has showed that in order to sleep your best, the body temperature needs to drop, Rebecca, and then it has to rise in the morning. By the way, in addition to keeping you at the perfect temperature all night, the pod will track your sleep and your health metrics. Pod users, on average, say that they saw their sleep quality improve by 32% after just a month on the pod. As I said, this thing's fantastic. It just slips right onto your mattress like a mattress cover, right? The technology is fantastic and you will sleep like an absolute baby. Check this thing out. I'm going to give you $200 off as well. There is no better way to improve your day-to-day life than with better sleep. And the easiest way to do that is, is with the eight sleep pod three. Start the new year right. Invest in the rest that you deserve with eight sleeps pod cover. So go to eightsleep.com forward slash Bisping to get $200 off. One more time, eight sleep, spell out eight, eightsleep.com forward slash Bisping. $200 off. Now we can jump back on. We'll, we'll have a little uh, non-MMA discussion before we get back into everything else. Ha, uh, Anthony, you tell me, do you want to hear about a Brazilian medical student that went out partying and was shot in the head and didn't even realize it? Yes. Do you want to hear, we don't, we're not talking about Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Uh, do you want to hear about a Florida anger management specialist that uh, just, just you, you pick it. Give me a guy that got shot in the head. I can't read. Okay. I've asked Rebecca for my contact lenses. Everything's blurry as fuck. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Harrington. Uh, so, yeah, this is a uh, it's a 21 year old uh, Brazilian medical student. He was out like on holiday with uh, with his buddies. They were out at the beach having a good time uh, and he felt something. Uh, he assumed uh, that he had been hit in the head by a rock. Somebody was pulling some kind of like sick prank. And uh, yeah, that was that. Uh, so he went back to his hotel room. Uh, you know, he he had a doctor with him, like who, who you know, helped like dress the wound, wound or whatever. He went back to his hotel room, showered, kept on partying uh, for the next like three days. End of the vacation, as he's heading home, he starts feeling like, you know, his his arm is like spazzing out like crazy. Uh, so he's like, all right, I got to go. Gonna go to hospital, see what this whole thing's about. Uh, they bring him in. They take a look. It turns out that was not a rock he got hit in the head with. He got shot in the head and a bullet was lodged in his brain for days while he was out drinking and having a good old time. Um, yeah, docs were able to take it out. And he's, he's going to make a full recovery. He's going to make a full recovery. Nicely laid out there, Harrington. I just want to say this, though. See the point I made earlier? All damage is not visible. This guy didn't realize he had any damage. He's been shot in the head. Do you know what I mean? The judges need to take that stuff into consideration. <laughs> I, I have a, an odd take on this. Oh, have you also been shot in the head and not realized it? No, no. But I kind of get it. I could see how that's possible. Like if it's a smaller caliber 
bullet <laughs> and you're pretty drunk and you're pretty drunk and it goes into a place that doesn't immediately like you know uh, discombobulate you or paralyze you or you're unconscious like it might feel like you just got hit in the head like i don't know if you're pretty drunk i've been to some wild parties before when i was young i was partying on like three four day benders like i get it like i'm not checking my head fuck it we're gonna keep on partying like just figure it out later i know all about the three-day bender you know when i was younger (laughs) i was a nightmare okay but i'm pretty sure i would have noticed if i got shot in the head and i don't care what size gun mr smith brian harrington said he went to a doctor to help clean it up which i feel like that guy's license needs to be revoked because here's the image like it's censored obviously but like you don't look a little deeper into that head wound you know what i I'm wish saying? we could see the uncensored one i could probably find it well I'll maybe not put it on the show you. but i'd love to see it i'll text it to yeah. you so I mean, it wasn't a doctor that he went to go see. It was a fellow medical student who was oh. like a little bit further along in the course than he was. And that's the guy. They're both yeah. medical students. Yeah. yeah. And it's like these guys are going to an 11 year old. He's like, you're fine. You've just it's been good. shot in the head. Just put a bit of bloody, uh, what, you know, put a bit of cotton or something on it. Put a no, Band-Aid on it. Like, you'll be fine. What, they're just getting it in the club. And he's like, what the hell? <laughs> no one heard a gunshot. <laughs> put a little tussing on it. Oh, speaking day, of gunshots, go ahead. I this I'm all over the place today, Mike. I'm sorry. You're gonna have to no, keep please. me on no, track. No, 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 no. You're good, bro. So Friday night, I'm, I'm I went out, had dinner. I was hanging out with Tate a little bit, and my wife calls me, freaking out. Why? She called me. I missed it. She calls back again. I miss it. And I look at my phone. I got like two missed calls, and she's calling. So I'm like, oh shit. So I go outside where I can hear, her, and she said, I, I check the cameras. I think there's gunshots going off here at the house. She thought someone was like outside shooting. No shit. Temperatures are like really cold and freezing, right? So then I listened to the cameras. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's definitely a gunshot. So then she starts checking the rest of the cameras. Turns out they were sodas exploding inside. the. We have like a beer fridge with like drinks and sodas and beer in in the garage. It was so cold that the drinks were exploding inside of the refrigerator and just fucking, I mean, these cans are like shredded they look like grenades were going off it was insane yeah. that just made me no, think no. Of that. and let's be honest it's not like you, you haven't got history of this stuff happening at your house right <laughs> ptsd kicking in you know what i mean right. even though you could get shot in the head and not give a damn and still carry on partying right. <laughs> yeah yeah well glad to hear that no one was there but no, no one good was there. shots going on. No, i'm just taking this thing all over the place mike no no please well that's what we're meant to do 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 we really want to sit here and study the in-depth analysis of this guys i tell you what though to be fair that is the best excuse for having a headache the next day <laughs> i always wake up i'm like oh god oh man, i've got a terrible headache i'm hungover i feel like i've been shot in the head turns out this guy's actually been shot in the head does anyway it make, does it make you wish like you know you you we go work these events and you come back and you got a little bit of a hangover a headache and your wife's like maybe we weren't out drinking all night i wish i had a bullet in my head she would never say shit to me ever again oh yeah well i yeah. got fucking shot last night <laughs> like that'd be great oh 100 because you feel totally vindicated because like when i was <laughs> when i was out doing a film 
uh, Red Sonja comes out this year. Keep an eye out for that one. Uh, my back was killing. And I've talked about it. I'm on my back, so on my back, so on in between takes, they had to bring me a chair to sit on and everyone was making fun out of me. They actually wrote on the chair, they called it the diva chair because just standing was so painful. It really was. Doing anything, action scenes, where I was fine, but actually just standing still was so painful. But everyone talked shit. Mm -hmm. And then I got back and they got the imaging done. I had a broken back in two places. I was so, it's the same thing. I was so happy to send the copy of the X-ray and go, fuck you, dickheads. Mm-hmm. Diva chair, kiss my ass. <laughs> had a broken back. Now I want all these apologies in writing. Yes, yes. Um, all right. So, oh, Harrington and Brian, real quick, jump on. Next fight, Drickus, and next fight for Strickland. Me and me and Anthony have a change of a difference of opinion. Oh man, I mean the Hamzat Strickland fight. You you made a great point. It's like you put him up against anybody, whoever. If you can beat him. You give them a shot. All otherwise, Hamzat seems to be, you know, kind of in the running for the next shot. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's that feels like way too big of a jump for Hamzat. Honestly, I know that the Usman fight was supposed to be number one contender, but how are you fighting the the guy who just lost a razor thin decision for the heavyweight title when the best middleweight that you've beaten is John Phillips, the GM three? You know, like that that feels. That feels like too big of a step up in competition. I love the, I personally love the Cannoneer fight. And I do think uh, Izzy has to be next for, for Drikas, right? The storyline is there. They, they, they had the face off the showdown. They were supposed to fight already. Everything is, is, is lined up there. So that, that one's an absolute no brainer. Excuse me. I'm just going to take a call. What's that? You ordered another devil's avocado. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got one more for you though. Have you seen this? Uh, Alex Pereira is saying, one more, what was it? One more dance at 185. One yeah, more. Wow. And I say, Duplessis, Alex Pereira. Now, Anthony, let me ask you this. Drickus Duplessis, Alex Pereira, of course, great fight, right? Mm-hmm. It gives Pereira a chance to reclaim his 185-pound belt. It gives uh, Drickus a chance to go up to 205 if he wins that, right, and become a two-weight division champion and all the rest of it. Not saying this is what he's doing, but it would also allow him to not yet fight Magomed Ankalaev. <laughs> yeah. That would uh, that would solve that problem too. <laughs> I was thinking the opposite. Like that is just such a good way to mess with Izzy's summer plans, and that feels oh. like what Pereira's put on this planet to do is just ruin Israel out of sight. I don't. Uh, I don't believe that. I no? I think Pereira really likes Izzy. Like even in his last, I, I think we got. I got the like the correct translation of his conversation about Izzy after the fight and it it came off like I'm like being an asshole like but what he's trying to do is he's trying to give Israel the same opportunity that Israel gave him like Izzy's Mm -hmm. in a down and out spot he's kind of he's he's just not in a great place in his career he's having some tough times so he's trying to give Israel an opportunity to build himself back up like Izzy gave to him uh essentially given this resurgence of his career so I, I don't think he wants to mess with Izzy. No. I think he's funny. He's, I think he's funny and he likes joking around. I think he has a great sense of humor. And it comes off because he looks like a serial killer and he doesn't laugh a whole lot. Like, it'd be like every yeah. joke I told you guys. I just said it straight-faced and looked angry. But um, You do. I think he, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I, think he, I think he wants to help Izzy. I don't think he wants to, he wants to do any, any harm for Like, of course they fight, but I don't, I don't think he wants bad things for Izzy. And as you said, a good person. I mean... He was in Charles Strickland's corner at the weekend. 
Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people, they loved it. Every time they were looking at the corner in between rounds, you could just see Alex, per- Alex Pereira's head just popping mm-hmm. up over the top of the fence. That was nice. That was a classy move by uh, Alex Pereira there. So I don't think they'll do that. I think Pereira, Magomed, Ankalive, old Jamal Hill. Oh, Anthony, Jamal, any updates on that guy? No, I haven't heard from him. No, I haven't. he's yeah. kind of went dark, which means he's working. So that's good for him. Yes, it does. All right, today's episode is sponsored by Chalk.com. That is C-H-O-Q.com. What does Chalk do? Well, Chalk give you the best all-natural testosterone booster available on the market. Look, listen, you're probably feeling it. I am. Your testosterone's dipping. You're not getting the same results. You're not the same man. You haven't got the same drive to get up and go. You haven't got the same libido, and you want to replace it, but you don't want to turn into Vito Belfort. You don't want to treat your ass like a dartboard, sticking needles into it every two seconds. That is where Chalk comes in, okay? They specialize in all-natural testosterone, and Chalk has created the all-new natural testosterone booster that's taking the sports nutrition world by storm and this thing is absolutely fantastic because you know exactly what you're putting in your body supplements that a lot of the time you can't trust what's on the label the ingredients are not good ingredients they're not measured properly well chalk uses full disclosure labeling so you know exactly the amount of ingredients going into your body there's no label fluffing no underdosing and all ingredients are measured to exact clinical research. Chalk Daily is the cleanest research-based testosterone booster on the market that actually works, that gives you the results that you are looking for. Improved strength, energy, drive, manliness, results from your workout, just feeling a little bit more invigorated about life, okay? And along with Chalk Daily, be sure to check out the Male Vitality Stack and the Stack Ultra. So what more are you waiting for? You're waiting for the code. I got you, baby. I got your discount as well. 35% off your entire order when you go to chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com, and use the code BISPING when you're there for 35% off the entire order. Chalk.com, use promo code BISPING and be the better version of yourself this spring with Chalk. All right, should we get into that co-main event? The champion has a name, and that is one Rocky Raquel Pennington. Uh, Myra Bueno Silva, how do you go into a five-round main event and just be that tired after round three? I'm not trying to be mean, you know, but mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta have conditioning to go five rounds. You know, she didn't take it on short notice. This was she had a full camp, I believe, right? If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Uh, and just being that exhausted in round three, at the end, she could hardly get off the ground. You know, don't get me wrong, Raquel was great. She punished her, the boxing <coughs> was awesome. I I, I the coaches were screaming at Raquel, stop clinching, right? On the feet, you're busting her up. But every time she, w- she wouldn't control her feet, she would fall into the clinch. She would land some shots and then clinch again. Bueno Silva was trying to get that ninja choke because she choked out Holly Holm with it. And it's like when you connect with the right hand, ooh, that feels good and you fall in love with it. Every single time she was looking for the same choke. Um, would have been amazing if she got it again, but she did it. She got tired. Raquel took over and there was no question when it came to the scorecards. No, not at all. It, it, in both their corners, were begging them to stay out of the clinch. Both of them wanted them. Wanted, so I thought that was really, I don't know, it was just interesting that they both wanted them to not fight in the clinch and that their coaches kept saying that the clinch is benefiting the other person. That's what they want, but really that person's coaches were saying no to. So I thought that was weird. Um, it just looked like a lack of experience to me um, for Bueno Silva. She just, I don't know, she didn't pace herself well enough for five rounds. She didn't um, 
I don't know. She just didn't look like she was real polished and had a, 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 I don't know, a hard and fast game plan. Um, she looked good in the first round. She was really mm-hmm. attacking the leg. She uh, took the back. I, and I, I wonder she if almost she did, finished her a couple of times. Yeah. I wonder if she just gassed herself, you know, trying to get the finish thinking that she was closer, which is an inexperienced thing. That's a, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, a lack of experience and, and knowledge in those situations. And, and I think she'll learn from it. And she'll be better. I, you know, John Anik had a really good point that one of those ladies is a finished product, essentially not that, not saying that, Raquel Pennington can't continue to get better and grow and, 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 you know, add skills and stuff to her game. Cause we all can, no matter what point of our careers we're in, but essentially like we kind of know she is what she is. Um, but Bueno Silva's got a lot of room to grow. So I don't think she's going anywhere. I think she'll continue to get better. I was really happy to see Pennington win a title just as a, a veteran myself and guy that's been around a long time. And, you know, I know what it takes. I know the grind, the journey, the, it's a hard road and she's had some some I don't know she's had some tough things happen with some injuries and so it was just I was just like just a feel good moment you know I'm happy for her yeah that's exactly where I was going to go now 10 years in the company fighting a lot of greats on there she's been in the ring with multiple champions Holly Holm uh, Jermaine Durandame who else there was Amanda one other, Nunes Amanda Nunes of course show. Amanda yeah. Nunes of course uh, so yeah after 10 years sticking it out at one point I'm sure Dana said once at one point she was his favourite fighter you know so yeah, like, it, it is nice you know, she, she's 35 years old, coming towards the end of her athletic career. Yeah, beautiful to see. Question is, what's next? Because, of course, Juliana Pena, right? Mm-hmm. She should be next upon deck without question. But Amanda Nunes, the lioness, came out of the weekend, and she feels like she might still have more to give. What are we saying? If you're the matchmaker, if you're Mick Maynard, if you're ordering Devil's Avocado from room service right now, what are you ordering? Are you ordering a Juliana Pena? Are you ordering an Amanda Nunes? I think... I really thought Amanda Nunes drove four days from South Florida with two kids all the way to Canada to watch this fight. And I was like, you don't do that for no reason. You know? And, and I, so I, I have this four really days. Cool, four days took four days. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Cause she got the money to fly. I don't just fly. Uh-huh. But, can't take babies on planes these days though. <laughs> yeah, right. They get soaked out the window. <laughs> right. Um, no, I, I have this real cool video on my phone of Bruce Buffers doing the announcements. And so on one side, I take the video and it's Raquel Pennington and it pans over to uh, Bueno Silva. And then I look straight directly across the, the octagon and Amanda Nunes is in Dana's section, arms on the rail, leaning over, like looking at, I don't know, she's like the the mother like overseeing the division you know and like i just kept imagining like someone's gonna win it's gonna be a, 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 a awesome fight and then she walks in the octagon and says i'll grabs that microphone from daniel cormier and says i'll see you at ufc 300 that's like what oh. i envisioned happening but it didn't but if it was up to me i'd love to see amanda nunez come back yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And congratulations again to Raquel Pennington and Juliana Pena. Probably is going to be the next person, but you never know. She might throw a little curveball in the, the lioness, of course, I am talking about. Uh, Mike Malott didn't get the job done. Went up against Neil Magny. Uh, Magny, getting it done for the veterans, for the mm-hmm. older boys. Yep. Uh, he needed that one as well to stay relevant in the organization. That sounds like a harsh summary, but, you know, he's been losing a few. The, Neil, the Ian Gary fight wasn't too great. Oh, real quick. Ian Gary, you see the shit he was talking to Sean Strickland? Oh, yeah. 
Do we have that video, Brian? Can we play that? Because it is, I'm sorry, I know that I just had a major ADD uh, moment there, but uh, he is talking shit about Strickland. And listen, all's fair in love and war, right? You live by Mm -hmm. the sword, you die by the sword. Uh, What did you make of those comments, though? Am I the only one that thought that that's not the first time he watched that fight? You mean to tell me that this fight happened and you didn't watch it? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, you just are shirt off the next day, only watching the highlights. Like, I don't know. And you didn't know who the winner you live in this space that we live in. You didn't scroll Instagram or Twitter for 13 seconds at any point in time from then to then and didn't know who won the fight. I don't know. Highlights of the Sean Strickland and Duplessis fight. I hope Sean gets sparked and conscious. There is no way I ever would have bet against Duplessis losing this fight, considering he mauled Robert Whitaker. And Sean Strickland isn't half the fighter Robert Whitaker is. Just sloppy boxing. Look, swinging. Look at this. The fucking state of this. Zero technique, just slugging it out now. Oh my god, I feel like I'm watching two amateurs fight. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my dear Jesus Christ. If I ever have a fight like that, please tell me to retire. He's a super confident guy. He's a he's a pretty uh, accomplished striker himself. So at, at times I'm sure it does look sloppy. Both those guys have really awkward different looking styles that they just don't you know they don't look like normal striking exchanges because they're both very different types of fighters they're not your typical one two slip the cross like that's a that's not their game um i i don't know that um anybody with any kind of analysis in their game would pick uh would pick him to beat either one of those guys though but you know i get it i understand it i understand his mentality so, look, listen, he's right to a certain degree. That clip there that he watched and the last 30 seconds of that fight, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was sloppy stuff. Yeah, they've they been doing this shit for 25 minutes. <laughs> they, they, exactly. They're trying to uh, they're trying to get the win. They're trying to dig deep. They're trying to give those glasses, babe. They're trying to just get the final little morsels out of their system. They haven't got much left to give. They're utterly destroyed. They just want to fall over on the ground. They're trying their best and they're swinging and it's sloppy and it's horrible. It is. And it's not technical. The gift of vision is back. Um, <laughs> but he's, they're, they're exhausted. I, I was just looking up when you were talking, thinking, has he and Gary ever gone five rounds? He has in Cage Warriors against Jack Grant. But it is a little different going five rounds in Cage Warriors as to what it is in a championship fight in the UFC. But hey, listen, fair play to him. He's got every right in the world to talk all the shit that he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil Magny, Mike Malott, real quick, 30 seconds, go. Yeah, when he got into the octagon, the last couple of fights, Neil hasn't looked super present. I know he's had a lot going on in his personal life, which probably is affecting him. Um, but he had a different look. He gave me like a we we met eyes, and I kind of gave him a nod, and he just he just looked very present in the moment. Um, Mike Malott looked a little bit small, if I'm being honest. I was surprised at how small he was for the weight class once he was in there next to Neil. Um, but Neil was losing. He was he was getting beat to the punch. He. His legs were battered. He was he was having a tough time. Mike Mallott looked like a a young kid that uh, just got a little bit in over his head, got a little bit tired, um, and let a guy like Neil Magny back in. If you don't shut the door, on Neil Magny, he is he'll shut it himself. 
And that's why you got to finish fights, right? 100%. Because certainly with somebody like Neil Magny, right? And of course, you don't want to let it go to the judges' scorecards. And no fighter's ever doing that. Um, I remember when Jalton Armida defeated Derek Lewis. He took him down every round, smothered him, led on top of him in mount, but wasn't really trying to finish the fight. I mean, Dominic Cruz were having a difference of opinion. You know, I was like, he needs to try and finish this fight. And I was like, well, he's controlling, he's winning, he's doing everything he is. He's, he's clearly winning the fight. But that just shows right there. And certainly when you go talking about someone like Derek Lewis, I'm not trying to bring up an old fight, but it's a good example. Right. Derek Lewis is the knockout king in the UFC. Every time the fight starts or a round starts, he's back on the feet and you can smother mm -hmm. him. That's why if you get an opportunity to finish somebody, you've got to do it because Neil Magny, there's no quitting that guy, gets the job done, gets the takedown against the fence, takes him out, boom, boom, boom. Beautiful moment. Uh, that will be a learning experience for Mike Malott. He's a right. great fighter. That was a big platform for him. I'm sure the pressure got to him. He's the only Canadian on the main card. You know, yeah. he's being hyped. He's 10 and 1. They're all finishes. You know, he's not a young guy. He's 32, so he's not a baby. Mm -hmm. But still, he's a baby in terms of those big fight feels. He's inexperienced you know what I'm there. About. Yeah, he's inexperienced there. Um, yeah, it was that was a I I think he'll be just fine. To him, it feels like the end of the world right now. I think those of us in the know are like, yeah, he'll he'll figure that out. We probably won't see that happen again. Yeah. Herringbone. Yes, sir. Requesting your presence. Uh Dana was talking to, I'm talking about number seven here, Sportsnet Canada. And what was he saying about the big boys? Uh, so he was saying uh, that John Jones recovery is going well. Um, and he said, he said, Jones, Stipe, summer is what it's looking like. Um, he also said that Tom Aspinall will likely defend his belt before then because uh, Aspinall wants to to establish that he is, in fact, uh, the best heavyweight on the planet, regardless of what those two are doing. Hold on. Someone's ordering a third devil avocado. Oh, okay. Alex Pereira goes up to heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Jones and Stipe going down in summer. I don't know why. For some reason, I thought that would be delayed longer, just simply because of how bad the injury was. Mm -hmm. But that's nice to see. That'll go down. If you're matchmaking Tom Aspinall, who are you putting him in there with? And do you think that'll be UFC 300 or International Fire Week? Or do we all need to just stop talking about those two fight cards now? Yeah, I don't know when. Um Man, who's the heavyweights that are up there right now? Uh, Curtis Blades, he doesn't have a fight coming up, correct? Cyril Gaon. Cyril Gaon is a possibility. I just, Cyril Gaon does not want to fight. Well, I guess he does now. He does there for now. the longest time, he didn't want to fight uh, fight Big Tom. But yeah, I could see Cyril Gaon. I could see. But... Blades does have a fight. It's against uh, Jalton Almeida at UFC 299. Man, the winner maybe. of that, maybe. Winner of that or Cyril Garn Harrington? What was uh, Dana White saying? Because he was asked about Conor McGregor saying uh, fighting International Fight Week, and what was he saying? Because yeah, so he basically said it's not; they're not announcing that yet. Yeah, so uh, it was a it was a two part, right? So he said during uh, uh, that Sportsnet Canada interview uh, that Conor was going to come back at some point this year, um, and that it was possibly uh, going to be against Michael Chandler, depending on how all that shakes out. They then asked him to clarify at the uh, post-fight presser um, whether or not it, it was going to be Chandler and if it was going to be that that June date uh, that McGregor had said. Uh, Dana said, you know, no, um, it, it's not. And he said, you know, when McGregor is ready to fight, we will make an official announcement because that's how we do business. 
Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> mm, for Chandler. Yeah, that's exactly what I was meaning. Is it how a long do you, how, how long do you wait? How long do you wait? <sighs> Why do you... Do you think, because listen, Dana Lassie holds things close to his chest, right? And you want to make an announcement and maybe maybe McGregor shouldn't have said anything there. Who knows? Maybe his training isn't going as well as what he thought. Maybe uh, there could be a million bloody different reasons. Maybe yeah. he's just not in the gym yet and needs more time. Uh, I still don't think if you channel it, you let it go. I still no, don't. Not yeah, not yet. But at some but. point, you have to walk away. You do. But if it's not Chandler, just say that he does let it go. And then Connor all of a sudden wants to come back. Who would they fight? Who who would Connor fight? Justin Gagey. I don't know. Uh, Jorge Masvidal. I would love that. <clears throat> but what if he... I just don't like... Get, or, uh, Chandler is the guy right now, but everyone else... Of course, they want to come back in, and you know everyone would love to fight a Conor McGregor. But like a lot of the other people that are big names are in big situations right now. You got Max Holloway versus Justin Gaethje. You got um, you know Islam's the champion, but Conor's going to need a win. Um, uh, guys like you know the Sarukians and and Benils, and it, I, I don't think they're big enough names to to draw Conor in. Like Chandler might have Conor by the balls a little bit. How so? Because I think Connor needs Chandler as bad as Chandler wants Connor. Because Chandler is hittable, he's kind of like the perfect opponent. I think he's the perfect opponent with the with the big with a big enough name value that's available big, right now. Big enough name value, and where it's a risk, the risk re- reward is good right. enough because Connor doesn't yeah. want to come back and get beaten. Yeah. Um, well, I hope it does go down. I hope it does because I was looking forward to it. Listen, Mm -hmm. McGregor brings it. He does. He brings excitement, big big fight feels. You know what I mean? Vegas goes crazy. And it it makes the sport an exciting place. And I did think this recently. I haven't seen McGregor on Twitter as much. And I thought Mm -hmm. that's because he must be in the gym. He's Mm -hmm. not enjoying himself. Listen, if you're not training for a fight, God judge the man. He's enjoying himself. I'd be Mm -hmm. on the Lamborghini yacht. Oh, smashed yeah. out my face doing voice notes to everyone. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I would. Right. <laughs> but he's not fighting. He's not, you know, but now I thought he was training. Anyway, Anthony, you're a father. You mm-hmm. love your children. Yeah. I'm a father. I care for my children. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I'm joking, obviously. <clears throat> um, California now are bringing in an incentive. I don't know if this has been passed, Harrington, or not. But they're basically going to bribe students to do well at school. There's going to be a monetary incentive to get better grades, to have better attendance, and all the rest of it. Now, I don't know the details of it, and Harrington can shed some more light. I was just at the gym before, and I was on the treadmill, and it was on, and there was the closed captioning on, you know, the subtitles, so I was just reading along with it. So I said, Harrington, just look this up. But my initial thought, and I haven't looked into it yet, is that for crying out loud, they shouldn't, governments should not be having to step in to do the job that a parent should do. Do you know what I'm saying? They should not be having to bribe them. Harrington, what are the details of? Because I am kind of blind going into this one. 
So the idea is uh, it's it's mostly to help lower income families um, and, and and lower income children. So uh, if you do qualify uh, for being from a lower income household, you can get up to five hundred dollars per year. Uh, you just go to this thing. Any any student in the state of California can do this. You sign up. Uh, you go to this thing. Depending on what your parents' economic status is, uh, you could be you could be eligible for up to fifteen hundred dollars. If you are homeless and still attending school, if you're in foster care and still Shall- attending. If you're homeless and attending school, I mean, get out the rain. I'd be going to school every goddamn day. <laughs> right, right. There's carry on, carry on. Um, yeah, so uh, that's the idea is that uh, essentially, like, if you sign up for this program starting from kindergarten, Right. And you're you you keep clocking that in. You should have enough in this account uh, by the time you graduate high school to be able to afford uh, in-state tuition, um, you know, at at pretty much any university. So that's the that's the kind of thinking there is like, you know, we're going to incentivize you to not only go to school and graduate, uh, but, you know, once you have graduated, you can, in theory, debt free, get yourself a college education and, uh, you know, maybe maybe, you know, raise your standard of living. Government subsidy of college is the reason why the price is out of control. The more people the government pays to go to college, the more expensive it is for regular people to go to college who can pay Check their out. own way. Oh, so you, you is, is just that do- factual, Brian? What's that? Is that factual? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just have to look at the rate of like student loans from the government going up and tuition prices going up since yeah, there's the 70s. a direct correlation over the past, whatever, 40, 50 well, I years. mean, it sounds to me like you don't want lower income kids to really bust their ass to go to school and get paid and then go get college degrees. That's what I that's what I heard. That is I'm all correct. for. I'm 100 percent for lower income families getting as much help as they need, uh, certainly from the wealthiest government on planet Earth. Right. Mm-hmm. Because UK governments give way too much and our economy is nowhere near the size of the UK. However, I do feel like I don't know that that's the parents job. It's it's like it's soft parenting. Like how the fuck? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great. It's good. But shouldn't the parents be making sure the kids do well at school? Shouldn't the parents be make sure that they attend every single day? Do you know what I mean? That's just... I don't, I, I don't know. There's, there's, there's something in there that I don't like, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I, I think I'm with you, but I think we're looking at it from the position in life that we're in right now. If you or any of your friends or, or me or, or whoever, like if you seen that happening in our situation, I'd have a big problem with it. But sometimes you go to these, these lower income families, these uh, inner city places, these... Mm kids that maybe don't have those kind of influences in their life, the the kind of opportunities that maybe we can afford to our family and, and the people that we hang out with. So that part of it doesn't make me feel so bad about it, actually. Like, you know, you got a, a, a I don't know, a single working mother with a couple kids and she's doing the best that, best that she can. And, you know, her, she got this kid that's doing well in school. He's going to graduate. He's going every single year and passing all his classes. Like, I don't have any problem with kind of giving them a little bit of a, an opportunity once they, cause it doesn't sound like they're going to be able to use that money for anything that goes into no. an account and they can use it for college. I don't mind. I don't, in those I, situations, I, have no problem. I, I see that. I, I, I have no issue with that, but they could just dress it up a better way. 
Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Because it, yeah. apparently, Harrington never said this part. Regardless of your financial situation, some people are going to get paid as well. Again, I'm, I've, I've got nothing against people getting a little bit of spending money, and I'm sure as a kid that money's going to come in great. But as I say, it's just I just feel like it's taking the responsibility of the parents to it step is. up and be good fucking parents because that's the problem right now. And I know I sound like an old man ranting, but the younger generation have no goddamn respect. Do you know what I mean? You see the amount of crimes and these flash mobs and running into stores and shit like this. And now they're going to get, if you go to school, we'll pay you. When I was younger, if I didn't go to school, I got a clip around the fucking ear. I got my dad's <laughs> belt whipping me. Yeah, I got the garden cane. The I got cops the used to drive out. around and pick us up when we would cut school. Yeah. But now yeah. you're going to get paid to, not, to, to make sure you go. Lucas actually is eligible. Is he? Yeah. He can get 175 bucks a year. Brian just edited that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's it, no, it is it's bullshit, man. It's bullshit. I really think it is. But how, uh, Brian, I would love to know your take on it a little bit further because you do not like governmental decisions. No. Well, uh, so yeah, government money is really made. Uh, universities expand beyond uh what they could pay for so now tuition has to go higher and higher so it, it really is like a, it's a weird situation because it's like not everybody needs a college degree we do need tradesmen and all this other shit and now with the government subsidizing college degrees everybody's just going for N not necessarily infrastructure jobs, as you can see with our airplanes and our bridges falling apart and our roads are all fucked up. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people are staying away from that, and that's not necessarily good for society either. I don't necessarily think everybody needs to go to college and get a degree to go make something of themselves. Everybody doesn't need to go to college. And remember, we kind of had a disagreement. You know, Jamal Hill and I had, had, had a difference of opinion. And I wasn't saying everyone needs to go to college. College isn't for everybody. But a certain amount of people that want to go off and do a certain type of thing, you got to get a college education. But I just think that, that as you say, you know, it just creates this, this. And now you have all these system, people. this cycle, that yeah. just gets worse and worse. And you have all these people with useless degrees that expect to that are now hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Gender studies, uh, well, for example, <laughs> yeah, art. You know, <laughs> uh, like yeah. I mean, how many people with art majors are going to go run the Louvre? You know, one, one. You know, right. like what? What are you? What are you competing for? You're competing for jobs that don't exist. A lot of people are. They're going into these industries for nothing, and then they end up flipping burgers and in and out. A lot of young girls go there and do psychology. Yeah. Like, and then there are OnlyFans. Yeah. Well, not even that. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, what are you doing? Well, why are you studying psychology? I know you. You're not going to become a psychologist. <laughs> You're, You're just not. <laughs> <laughs> you need a psychologist. You need a psychiatrist. What the fuck are you going to talk about? And I like, I like a good In-N-Out burger, though, so we need them, too. <laughs> And that's a solid career path. I, I think that's 150K if you're a manager these days or something like good. that. That's a maybe. good living. That's a very good living. Well, Certainly maybe not, maybe so. not, maybe not in Colorado or uh, California. Oh, bro, bro, it's not. Uh, anyway, let's talk about something we do know about. Harrington, uh, notes, uh, sorry, news. What have we got? Anything in your life? Uh, any fight rumors, Anthony? Anything no. like that? Is that not even no. being looked at yet? No, I'm looking for something exciting i want something exciting i don't want to rush into something so i haven't heard anything i ran into mick uh 
Friday and Saturday. I seen him at the fight. So, um, and he didn't bring it up and I didn't bring it up. We just talked about life jujitsu a little bit, but, um, no, I just, I don't know. I want something exciting, something that like, yeah. not even scary. Like just some, Ooh, that'd be fun. Like that. I kind of want that reaction. Like that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah you heard just, it here guys. Anthony Smith versus Conor McGregor, UFC 300. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be fun. That would be fun. All right, today's episode is sponsored by FitBod. Look, listen, be honest. The New Year's resolutions, it's out the window already. You probably haven't been to the gym. You're cheating on your diet. You're having a little drink. Well, it doesn't matter. FitBod are here to save the day because sometimes you can't get to the gym. Sometimes you're too busy. Maybe you can't afford it. Certainly can't afford the cost of a personal trainer. Well, guess what? For the cost of one session with a personal trainer, FitBod will give you access to an entire year's worth of personalized programs programs, workout, exercises. You get to see everything on there. FitBod Smart Workout app will create a custom dynamic workout program based on your goals, your experience, and as I said, the equipment that you have at your availability. The algorithm uses data and analytics to scientifically build your best next workout. You can see all your results Right there in the app, muscle usage, recovery, achievements. You're in control. You can change the workout. You can put in the equipment that you have. You're at the gym. You're in the garage. You're at the park. You're at the bench. You're on a plane. Who knows? Uh, and as I said, the best thing is for the for less than the cost of one session with a personal trainer, you get a full year's access to FitBot. And by the way, over 1000 400 high definition videos to teach you exactly how to do the exercises so you don't injure yourself and you're using the correct form. FitMod works on iOS and Android devices. The app is super easy to use with the video tutorials as well. Makes learning the exercises an absolute breeze. And this is the best part. Get personalized workouts from FitMod right now. Get 25% off or you can try the app out for free when you sign up at fitbod.me slash believe. That's 25% off the subscription, or you can try it out for free at fitbod.me slash believe. Um, what are you doing this week? There's no fights on this weekend. Once again, I'm going to go. I'm going to attempt again. I'm taking Lucas fishing, right? He had a little spell mm-hmm. where he loved fishing. So we would go fishing and we never caught anything other than if we went on a boat. Down mm-hmm. at the beach, they do everything for you. We're not fucking fishing. They hand you a rod, you know, and you, you do that, and then a fish gets on the end of it. Yeah, technically that's fishing, but they do everything for you, and they're probably right. chumming ch- chum the water and stuff. Do you know what I mean? And you're out in the fucking ocean, there's fish galore. But never once going down to a river or a lake have we ever caught anything. Saturday, we're going up to Lake Gregory uh, in the San Bernardino Mountains. This is the plan. We're going to take a picnic. We're going to take some snacks and shit like that. And we are going to catch some fish, hopefully. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. I love fishing. It's too cold to be doing any fishing here. Um, I don't really have any plans. Uh, I got a, we got a basketball tournament Friday and Saturday, like during the day. But then um, I think Sunday I might go hunting. So I'll probably go, go do some hunting. I haven't been able to get out as much as I typically like to. So um, probably do that. Got to fill the freezer. So I'm looking for a looking for a deer that's got some jerky with him. That'd be nice. Mm. Regarding the weather, it's 76 degrees here on Saturday. So I'm like, that's a beautiful day. So that's why we're going to go fishing. But I was going to ask you, what are you hunting? You're hunting deer. Deer, yeah. With a, with a gun. Yes. Yes. How close do you get to the deer? Yeah, uh, well, I'll drop anything inside of 250 yards. 
Then how long do you think it'll take you to catch a deer? I don't know. That's the fun part. You just hang out and just look around. Honestly, I I know that uh, hunters are always looked at like you know crazy people by a lot of by a lot of folks. But the worst part of hunting is after you take the shot. I actually have a lot of fun getting up early in the morning and the anticipation and the sneaking into my blind and or or wherever I'm at. And then just sitting and watching the sun come up and you watch all the animals go by and all the deer that you decide, like you pass on the smaller ones. So you were watching them out there frolicking, doing their thing. Mm. All the work happens after you shoot it. That's the worst part. And then you got to go and you got like, you got to do all the work and get it out and drag it and field dress it and all that stuff. But so I don't take a lot of shots, to be honest with you. I pass on a lot of deer. That sounds beautiful, though, what you just described, getting up early in the morning, going out there, experiencing nature. I mean, that mm-hmm. sounds amazing. It really does. You just got to end with a bit of cold, extreme violence. You're going to shoot one in the head. Maybe the deer will go party for two days afterwards, and then yeah. it will fall down dead. Yeah, but I, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't shoot a lot of, uh, I know people that, you know, like families, they'll shoot six, seven deer a year. There's a lot of times where I won't shoot at all. It's just, it's got to, it's got to mean something, you know? Do you wear a deer stalker hat? A deer stalker hat? What's that? Yeah. Sherlock Holmes, bro. You don't know. <laughs> you one of those hats. They call them a deer stalker hat. You don't wear a deer stalker? No. You no. don't stalk those deers? No. No, I just how, often, to- how how quiet do you have to be? Because I think this would be my problem. I'm too impatient. Like, when I, okay, before I used to hunt like in tree stands. So you have to be super quiet because you're up high above them and you're, there's nothing around you to muffle the sound. Um, but I don't hunt in tree. I don't hunt. I don't hunt out of tree stands anymore for the most part. Um, largely because I have a trailer blind that's heated with windows. So now, so now I'm in close, so I don't have to be, so I'm, I mean, a lot of times I just sit in there, I text him with my wife I'm watching the deer hanging mm. out, take lots of pictures. So I'm just hanging out. Anthony, your little nature, your bird spotter, you're out there, you're masking yeah. as a hunter, but realistically you're enjoying the, yeah, I'm the just, fragrant I'm scent of the wildflowers. Yeah, I'm just happy to be there. I got some, I'll have to send you some of the pictures I took from the last time. I don't know if you're into nature pictures, but it's. Oh, of course. When we I'll do the ice bath, when it was sunny, that's our favorite bit. We warm up, we recharge with the power of the sun, the vitamin <laughs> D. We look at the birds. We do. We love it. It's that's great. Awesome. We've gone very California. Uh, Frank Yeager was inducted into the Hall of Fame Saturday night. I mean, come on. The man deserves it. There's not much of a conversation there, I'm sure. Uh, DC even agrees with that. Uh, what was the reaction? <laughs> what was the reaction from the crowd? Uh, they were happy. They were happy, and uh, Frankie was shocked at it. I thought he knew, but apparently he didn't have any idea. Um, I don't know. So it was uh, it was cool. Everyone stood up. The entire arena gave him a, a standing ovation. I thought that was super cool. Um, he's got so many highlights. You could have done a thirty minute Hall of Fame induction package with that. It was it was really really cool. It was a, it was a feel good moment. Um, and it, I don't if Frankie Edgar can't get in, nobody gets in. I guess yeah. I don't know. Fought for the belt in three different weight classes. Was the champion at lightweight, of course. Mm-hmm. Took our BJ Penn trilogies with. BJ, Gray Maynard, he fought Josie Aldo, he beat Charles Oliveira. I mean, mm-hmm. the people on his resume, unbelievable. Congratulations to yeah. Frankie Yeager. And then lastly, Tatiana Suarez. She's out of her fight. Who was she meant to be fighting? 
She had a good fight. Uh, she was Harry, supposed Harry to Bone. fight. Uh, this, is, this is your domain. Lemos. No? Lemos. She was supposed to fight Lemos. And that one, man, and then they, they put in instead of, because Tatiana was hurt, now she's fighting Mackenzie Dern, which I don't like that much. I just feel like, oh, because Mackenzie, she just fought, um, who did Mackenzie just fight? Madison Square Garden. Who was it? Yes. We were um, there. Oh, man. She, she got dropped Andrage. a few times. Andrage, yeah. So she has a tough fight with Andrade. She just, I don't know. Like, sometimes, sometimes, I don't know. Sometimes the prize that people get for things sucks. Like, you kind of want to see her be able to build herself back up. Let's get her, you know, let her work on her striking. Let's get some defense in. Let's let her. It seems like personally, she's kind of going through some turmoil. So like her life, it maybe is a little bit of out of sorts and she's not like real dialed in um, to her schedule of training and having the kid and this other stuff she's got going on. It's none of my business, but it, she talked about it. So I bring it up, but, um, and then instead of like being able to kind of work her way back in, get her into a fight that's super competitive, that, you know, is is safe for her to kind of work through some shit. She gets Lemos, and Lemos is a goddamn killer. This is the guy that says that Strickland should fight Hamza Chimeyev next. That's, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. That's what I mean. I, I kind of went against my own rule there, but yeah, it's just tough. I wanted to see Mackenzie, you know, uh, bounce back, and and because I, I I think she's got a lot of, I don't know, I think she got a lot of skills, and I think she can do really really well. She does. She's a great girl as well. And then, of course, final bit of news. Looks like we could be getting, well, Darren Till is hoping for it. Darren Till versus Mike Perry. Mike Perry, bare knuckle fighting championships. I'd love to see that. That's a fight long overdue. I just want to see Darren Till getting back in there. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'd like to see Darren just back fighting. You know, I, the, I think the whole entire combat sports community is better when Darren Till's fighting. I, I love when he's in a great place. You know, and and when when he's on, he's on. Like he's one of the best in the world when he's on. And he's a funny bastard as well. So it yeah. gives us a reason to get him onto the podcast and something to talk about. And if you want to get onto the podcast, then all you gotta do is send an email to bympod at gmail.com. You send in a video question for Anthony or I. Uh, I was going to say Harrington or Brian, but no, we'll leave it at that. If you got a question <laughs> for me or Anthony, uh, send it in to bympod at gmail.com. And if you're listening on Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating, positive review. It really helps out on those platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the channel and you hit that notification bell to find out whenever a new video drops. And if you want to catch over 500 episodes you can't find anywhere else, completely ad-free and totally uncensored, head to gasdigital.com. Use the promo code BYM. Get a seven-day free trial. Check out over 20 great shows. All, in- All right. So today, our first question here is from Mark O'Regan. And this one by far has the best production value. Hey, Mark from London here. With Duplessis getting his belt, do we think we need to revise Darren Till's final few fights? Tyron Woodley, ex-champion. Jorge Masvidal, BMF champion. Derek Bronson, he was on a four-fight win streak at the time and his previous loss was to Israel Adesanya. Then he lost to Robert Whittaker, the Reaper, (coughs) and interim champion. And who was Darren Till's final fight? The new champion, Duplessis. Everyone writing off Darren Till. Darren, come back, mate. You've just lost to a bunch of champions. Harrington, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you very much for the question. That's what I've been saying all along. 
You know, yeah. and certainly that last loss to Duplessis has aged very, very well. Ray's a close fight with Robert Whitaker. I mean, I don't need to say it. He just went through it all. That's mm-hmm. what I've been saying for years. And I still think Darren's got a lot left in the tank to come back. I mean, we spoke to him. We interviewed him mm-hmm. when he was deciding to leave the UFC. Yeah. You know? And and he hasn't done anything yet. I hope I have, I haven't spoken to him either. You know, I mean, we used to uh, keep in contact. We just haven't shared a text or anything. A couple of polite hellos or whatever. But I have no idea what he's doing. So I wish him well. But yeah, what do you think of that? I totally agree. You know, we and we've talked about that. I think you've been Darren Till's biggest supporter and cheerleader, just not in in defending him because he's been in there with so many tough, tough guys and just been in so many tough fights. But everybody's good. He's not been beaten by anybody bad. Um, so you know, I I totally agree, and you should check in on him. See, how yeah, doing. yeah, no, no, I, I, think, I, mean, I think I, I texted him recently, but I just mean I haven't seen him and had a proper sit down, a proper conversation, right. and you know, you know what I mean, as friends, like a little hello, how you doing, mate, or respond to his Instagram story or some shit like mm-hmm. that, which is always something wild and crazy. Right. Uh, but yeah, shout out Darren Till, uh, come back to the sport, mate. We need you, and I would love to see him and Mike Perry, two great guys, two good fighters, oh, yeah. bringing it on. Come on. Um, Brian. All right. So next one we have is from Luis Hernandez about judging. Hey, what's up, guys? I watched the fights last night. I think Strickland won. I don't think he got robbed. You know, Duplessis did did just enough to win it. But um, what do you guys think about implementing five judges for championship fights in the UFC? You have four judges seated, seated throughout the octagon. And that fifth judge, you have him off-site. Um, watching, you know, with the athletic commission, someone from the UFC, you know, and, and with the officiating crew there. And um, that way you get that, um, you know, it's just, just another perspective from watching the fight. This is something that is done in professional baseball, professional soccer, um, football, and I believe the NBA. What do you guys think about implementing that, an offsite official for um you know for championship fights at least or you know maybe we can test it out at the apex or something i don't know what do you guys think let me know well first of all thank you for the question he's asking what do we think about five judges i'm gonna go one better six judges let's do six six it's a joke it's a joke have you seen have you seen the film uh there's something about mary have you seen that a long time ago. I actually have six, seen that one a long time six ago. Six minute abs. <laughs> you know, I've got a business idea. You want to come in on it? What is it? Four minute abs. Is that what do you mean? Four minute abs. Were well, you seeing six minute abs? I'm going to do four minute abs. Have you seen? Step into my office. Why? Because you're fucking fired. Whatever. Anyway. Anyways. No. Anyway. I haven't, I've, I've seen it a long time ago. Anyone that's seen it, they know what I'm talking about right now. It's a very, very well-known film. Harrington O'Brien, I would have expected a little bit of backup there. We're going right. to talk about this later. In fact, Har- uh, Brian Harrington, step into my office. Oh, I'm sorry. Because you're fucking Are we fired. Something about Mary is not one of my favorite movies. I haven't seen it too many times. That is hilarious. Yeah, dude. Harlan Williams, dude, he's the man. Yeah. You can't even get a sweat in sitting. Uh, he's the guy. He's the he's oh. the six minute abs guy. Yeah. yeah. You can't even yeah. get a sweat yeah. in five minutes. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <Yeah>. Six <laughs> minutes, you. though. That's sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. That's the quote I was looking for. Thank you very much. Uh, do you know what? Or believer there that sent in the question, he might be onto something because the judge, we have three judges and 
it's kind of a system that's been implemented for a long time. Mm-hmm. They don't get to, the judges don't get to see the strike count. The judges don't get to see the instant replay. The judges don't get to see what's going on between the corner. Um, I'm not necessarily against the people judging the outcome of these fights that ultimately determines whose effort and career is going to be paid better. You know, like you make all that sacrifice in a fight and then the wrong decision is awful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You've got to make money. The, 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 the outcome is so important. We know right. this. So why can't we arm those people with better information to come to the right conclusion? Right. Give them more information. I think the, yeah. uh, the, uh, the argument to that would be uh, that a lot of people don't believe that they're smart enough to do their job as they're directed now. If we give them more information, that they're going to struggle with that, with more input. I'm not one of those people, but I that that would be the argument. Mm. Um, I've also always thought we should have two referees, always. Like when you go into like like the NCAA wrestling finals, like that, Three referees. <laughs> <laughs> when you watch wrestling at the D1 level, like when they're wrestling in the uh, uh, at, like in the finals, there's always two referees on the mat, always to get well, they different have the, angles. They have the review official now mm-hmm. in most states, I believe. So they have obviously the referee in the octagon, you know, watching mm-hmm. everything. And if there's something that maybe they couldn't see, they stop it, time time out, and then they go and look at the tape. And the review official looks at it. For example, could have said that that was a clash of heads mm-hmm. with Strickland and Duplessis. I don't know if it was. I'm not saying that, but he could have spotted that and maybe got the judges to discount that damage, perhaps. Right. You right. know, but and yeah, they do try yeah. to do that. And they do try to do that during the fight, though, because when. Khalil. Yeah, but the judges don't get told though. I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Khalil, when he came in and we and he came into the clinch, and he banged right on my right on my eyebrow, and I I was cut, and I remember like wiping, and I blood, and the referee said that was from a headbutt, and I just nodded like I agreed, like yeah, I know. So then he starts going to the referees or to the judges and saying the cut was caused by an inadvertent accidental headbutt. So they didn't stop the fight, but a lot of times if the you like you'll see. Uh, Herb Dean, a cut will happen from a punch, and he'll say it was caused from a punch and let the judges know that. Yeah, and that's beautiful refereeing. So well mm-hmm. done to Mark Smith for that. Uh, just finally on this then, uh, let's talk about this because we're talking about judging and refereeing and if you're still with us at the end of the show, thank you all for being here. Um, Arnold Allen, Movsaev Loev, first fight of the night on the pay-per-view main card. Um, Movsaev Loev looks tremendous. He got the job done. I was gutted for Arnold Allen. He's such a nice guy and he's a great fighter. I thought Arnold looked spectacular. I thought he looked really good. He looked smooth. The takedown defense, the scrambling, the Granby rolls, the ability to get back to the feet, the boxing, the footwork. He looked smooth. He looked world championship caliber. Yeah. He was just beaten by a very good opponent that was just a little bit better on Saturday night, sadly. Well, it went downhill when he got dropped with that jab. He struggled after that. You're absolutely right. He did. He started getting a little bit more wild and a little mm-hmm. bit more desperate there. Nah, you're right, Anthony. That's a good take there. But I wanted to talk about the uh, the headlock situation. Remember yeah. when referee Mark Goddard stepped in? And I'm, again, I want to clarify, I'm not talking shit about Mark Goddard. He's mm-hmm. an old friend of mine and he's a brilliant referee. What was your thoughts on that whole situation there? In real time, because uh, it happened right in front of me, in real time, I, they look cleaner the first 
two or three because it looked like he was lifting him up and and it was just a uh, I was sitting right by uh, Mobstar's corner and they freaked out right away. But then, then when they watched the replay, they're like, he's playing that game. Like they, they weren't as upset after seeing the replay as they were initially. So it did look like he was lifting it up and throwing the knee at, at the same time. I think like the third or fourth one was clearly like a downed opponent. But uh, Canada, the the athletic commission does, didn't adopt the new rule where it has to be weight bearing. If that's in if that's in Vegas, or or if one legal. of the other, that's a legal shot. Yeah, that's a legal shot in that's most commissions right now. Legal shot or that's illegal shot. That is a legal <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? Listen, we know this. The referees right. come backstage and they they break down precisely sometimes ad nauseum what the rules are in mm-hmm. this territory that you're in. And they do a very, very good job of that. But even still in the heat at the moment, it's hard for the fighters to know different states, different areas, different countries. You know, there's a slight difference, pardon me, in the rules. You know what I mean? It should just be across the board. If you can do that, you can do that. If you can't do that, you can't do that. And I do believe that Arnold Allen had some really good momentum in that moment. It was stopped. Goddard mm-hmm. probably did the right thing there. Yeah. But that's that 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 could have been, you never know, the beginning of a finish for Arnold Allen. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a big moment. I thought Arnold Allen did a great job battling back though. To the he got dropped. He had a tough rest of that round. Um and, and it was I th- I know that Dana said it was a it sucked the air out of the arena. I actually thought it was a pretty good fight. <laughs> I was enjoyed it Dan a lot. Said. Yeah, he said it was boring, but I actually thought it was a really, really good fight. But uh, you know, yeah. I'm a I'm a nerd. Like I'm into the details, and uh, Mobstar is like, he's amazing in some of those transitions and the way that he, the the way that he shoots his timing on his takedowns. Uh, I I thought I thought they both looked really really good. I, I really enjoyed that fight actually. <laughs> so yeah, I felt bad when Dana said that. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it as well. Obviously, you know, I know Arnold personally. He's a great mm-hmm. guy, really humble. Uh, here's a situation for you. How would mm-hmm. you feel about this? I don't know what year this is going to take place in the future. 125, Mohamed Makaev is champion. Mm-hmm. I'll come back to 35. 145, Mavsaev Luev is champion. 55, mm-hmm. Islam Mahachev is champion. 170, we need a 170. 185, Hamzat Chimiev is champ. Shavkat. Shavkat, 170 right. champ. 205, Magomed Ankalaev. And then someone at Headway. Everybody yeah. is from Dagestan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it's it's impossible. Stop signing them. Yeah, get rid good. of them. They, get they, them they, send they, them back they, over to M1. Get them out of here. They're Russian Muslims. They, they, yeah. they, they train too hard, man. They're too dedicated. Yeah, they're oh, too dear. goddamn good. They're too goddamn good. Anyway, that's it. That's the show. Thanks for watching. We'll be back on Monday.